Would you stand today? I want to read a portion of Scripture to you. and uh, I, I don't know how it is when, when you look at the Bible. Some verses in the Bible are very easy to understand. I mean, you, you can't get any more clearer than Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive. That's a pretty simple verse to understand. But there's other verses that are a little bit more difficult and require a a closer look and examination. And I want to start with this verse. This one shouldn't be too hard to understand, but it helps us launch into some of the harder, more more in-depth verses. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, and then we're going to go through uh, what the Word of God has to say. I've got a very simple message, a very simple title today. It's simply this, guard your soul. Guard your soul. I, I hope and pray that of all the things you hold most valuable in your life, that your soul is at the top of the list. I, I've got things that I, I think are valuable. Some of them are valuable because of the cost. Others are valuable because of perhaps the sentimental value. Others are valuable such as my family. And while I would prefer no one to steal my valuables, no one to steal my treasures, if you will, the most important thing in my life is my soul. And uh, Jesus said this in verse 34 of Mark, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Here's two questions. These are not the same statement. Be very careful. First question is, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul or lose his soul. So the first question is this. What would it profit if you had all the money in the world, all the valuables in the world, all the boats and the golf clubs, if you had unlimited shopping ability, what would it profit if you had all of that and then at the end of eternity you lose your soul to the grasp of hell? And the second question is a different question. What could a man give in return for his soul? Is there anything I could give and and, and it kind of take the place, and the question, it's kind of rhetorical, would be no. And then in verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I want to talk today about guard your soul. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Father, we know your word is powerful. We know your word is, is truth. And I pray right now that as we go through it, sometimes verse by verse, that you would let your word speak to us, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus, and we will give you glory. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I'm going to do my best today to walk through some verses in the Bible. And so while it may be a lot of verses, uh, perhaps we can allow the verses to speak maybe a little more than even whatever commentary that I might have. Luke chapter 13 and verse 22, and you're welcome to turn as, uh, to these places as I give them to you. Luke chapter 13 and verse 22, uh, he's going through the towns and the village. Jesus is teaching. And someone comes to him and said, Lord... Will those that are saved be few? And he said unto him, watch verse 24, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be 
Abel. Another verse in the Bible says, broad is the way to destruction, narrow and even straight is the way that leads to life everlasting. I just want to tell you, in this day and age where, where there, there seems to be no absolutes, where there seems to be no right or wrong answer, and you can do whatever you want to do, we are living in the day and age that you find in the book of Judges, for every man is doing what seems right in his own eyes. How dare you tell me what I should do? How dare you come and tell me that my life is sinful? How dare you tell me the Bible is black and white? We live in a day where it's not. But can I just remind you that there is a way to heaven. There is a path to heaven. It's a narrow way. There are not multiple ways. I don't know how many of you use your your Google Maps uh, I, I don't know if, if Apple Maps does the same thing. I'm not an Apple person, but if on my Google Maps, I can type in a destination, and it will give me a mul- multiple ways of getting to my de- destination. One of them is the fastest way. That, that it, it's the fa- It might be more miles, but the speed limit's higher, so it's the fastest way. There's a scenic view that it will tell me I can do. And then as I'm driving, it, it's so smart that it will find out, oh, there's a wreck. Uh, you, you got a 30-minute delay in traffic. If you take this, you can skirt around that. But the way to heaven isn't like that. The way to heaven, there's not going to be alternatives and, and various answers. There's only one way, one faith, one baptism. Once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us, he will answer and say, I don't even know where you come from. And this is a little bit of a reference to Noah and his ark. Those that when the ark was finally shut and the rain began to fall, they suddenly decided, you know what, I probably have ought to have paid attention to that crazy old man Noah. The Lord is talking to the Jews that are are walking with, with this Messiah and they should be responding to the preaching of the Messiah, but they have not. And so he is telling them, there's going to be a day I'm going to shut the door. And then you're going to knock on the door and say, let me in. And I'm going to say, I don't even know who you are. And you'll say, well, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught us in our streets. And he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all of you workers of evil, can I tell you today that just being present with Jesus does not guarantee you a place in heaven? Just because you come to church and get a little goosebumps on the back of your neck, and just because you hear the word of God, that does not guarantee you a spot in heaven. They walked with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, they ate the bread and the fishes that he broke. They were able to see those, but there was something lacking in their life. The Bible says in that place they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are cast out. Tells me that when, when eternity comes in heaven and hell, there somehow I, I can see it various places in the Bible. You see it in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. That, that they could see, if you will, one another. And I believe one of the greatest torments of hell will be the fact that they can see what's happening in heaven. And they're not there outside looking in, realizing they missed their chance. They did not guard their soul. And so it is that, that it's there. The, there is a, a uh, right way and, a, and then obviously wrong ways. But I want to invite your attention to Matthew chapter 10. This is one of those hard verses that if you're just reading it devotionally, you, you kind of come against it and it doesn't, it doesn't, mix and match, it doesn't mesh up with it, 
at the beginning of Jesus' life, the heavens open up there after he's born. And we'll, we'll talk a lot more about this as we get a little closer to Christmas. But, you know, he, he's born in the manger. The angels appear to uh, the shepherds out there in the field. And what do they say? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then you walk through Jesus' life and you come to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34 and it seems to uh, go against that that was spoken up at his birth. He says this, Don't think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. I have come to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves mother and father more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whosoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whosoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, I, I, have, I carry little notepads all with me, and I write, write notes, and I write sermon thoughts, and Man, sometimes I get awesome sermon thoughts and I'm ready to make a whole sermon out of it. But I can't, I can't wait any longer. We were at men's conference. I believe it was Brother Jerry Dean that was preaching. It may have been Brother Chargois. But he made this statement. I had never quite thought about it. And it, it goes like this. Do you remember that time where Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter piped up and he said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but your Father which is in heaven. And, 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 and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And Peter was on cloud nine because the Lord had just said, You have made it. Did you ever read what happens after that? He says, Jesus says, I, I've got to die. I, I, I've got to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. And Peter said, oh, no, no, no. They're not going to kill you. And right after Jesus just said, Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, Jesus turns around to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And I think it was Brother, Brother Dean or Brother Chargois made this statement, said that, that as soon as Peter realized that death could possibly come to the disciples, wasn't quite as bold to say, you know, I know how this goes. It's amazing how we're good to follow Jesus unto a certain point, but when it starts to cost us something, well, well hold on, let me see. Ladies, have you ever walked in to, to Dillard's or, you know, Von Mar or something like that, and how oh, it's so awesome, and you find that perfect dress, and you get it, and you look at it, and then the, the cost shows, and Put it back. Brother Perryman, you ever picked up a fishing rod that you wanted so bad and then realized how do you tell your wife that and put it back? I have. I've been good sometimes. The cost of it all. Can, can I tell you that when, when, when we try to say, Lord, why do you say that you're coming and you're going to pit mom and dad against each other and husband and wife? Why are you saying all of this? It's because you have to go back into the Old Testament. And I want to explain this to you. It's something that's been burning inside of me. And I want to invite you. I'm going to spend the most of my sermon in, in, in the chapters of Deuteronomy chapter 12 and Deuteronomy chapter 13. And so I invite you to turn there with me. I want you to see it along with me. And I'm going to show you, through the help of the Lord, I'm going to show you four things that you've got to guard your soul against. 
And, and we're going to do that from the Old Testament. And by doing so, I think, and in fact, I know it will make this that we see, that Jesus' words, it will make Jesus' words more clear. What does it mean when he says that I've come and, and, and there's going to be separation between family members? What does it mean by that? See, Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were not a, a kingdom. They were not a people. They were ra- uh, 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 slaves. They, they had been in bondage. And the Lord has to bring them out and has to take a people for 400 years that have existed in slavery and now make them a nation and teach them. And so I, I preached it here today. They had, the Lord taught them ceremonial law. The Lord taught them spiritual law. And the Lord taught them some just good techniques. For example, you, 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 he, he taught them how to keep their camp clean. Why? Because you don't want epidemics running wild through the camp. I mean, it's as simple as, as and if you look in the Bible, it'll tell you things. Like, it's as simple as, you've got to be careful that, that in the camp, the waste you produce needs to be separate from the water you drink. That, that there's some reasons you shouldn't eat these animals because they typically have more diseases that are carried there. Don't, don't eat a rat. Please don't eat a rat. Now, if you want to eat a rat today, that's your business because the Lord has allowed those ceremonial laws to, to be done away with. But there's some reasons. The Lord said, I've got to take a people that have no idea how to govern themselves and I've got to make them a, a, a nation. But I also have to take a people who have lived for 400 years in Egypt with all of its idolatry and all of its idols and I've got to turn them into a one God believing. I've got to get them back to the basics and I've got to build a a nation, a holy nation out of them. And I understand it's going to be hard. We treat our our babies, our children far differently than we treat our young people. I don't reason with a child. I don't tell a child, now honey, if you touch the stove, it's going to burn you. Now honey, please don't touch the stove. You know you don't want to touch the stove. I will do whatever it takes to keep my child from touching that stove. But my 15-year-old Zane, if he wants to touch the stove, I'm to the point now where I'm going to let him touch the stove. I don't believe in Darwin's law, but sometimes I think it might be a good thing. You're 15 years old. If you haven't realized now that the stove is hot, well, then touch it and learn from yourself. Jesus, or, 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 you know, the, the, the God had to take these children of Israel and treat them just like babies. He said, I'm going to have to give you some, some pretty hard and fast rules. But then later on, as you mature, then, then there'll be some changes. The Old Testament is, is the law. And the law says the wages of sin is death. And the law interprets that very literally. You sin, you die. You sin, you're stoned. You sin, God takes it. But there were four approaches of the enemy. Four ways that the enemy would try to to steal your soul. And I want to show you these. Remember, it's all about guarding your soul. Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 29. And when the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you not be ensnared to follow them. And after they've been destroyed before you that you do not inquire about their gods saying, how did these nations serve their gods that I might also do the same? You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates they have done for their gods. For they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Everything I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add or take away from it. The very first thing that the enemy tries to do in order to steal your soul 
is he loves to try to play on human curiosity. The Lord said, listen, you're going to go into a heathen land called Canaan. A land in which they have reached the place where they are willing to sacrifice their own children in the fires to Shemosh and, and Molech. And he said, when you get into that land and you begin to cast them out, and that's why the Lord says you got to kill them, kill them all, just, just wipe them out. Because God understood that in this infant stage of Israel's development, that they were not going to be able to withstand. And curiosity was going to come. And maybe from a distance they would see that idol of Molech. And they would watch someone offer their sons and daughters to Molech or to Shemash. And, and they would wonder, man, how is that? And they'd get a little closer. The old adage says curiosity killed the cat, but I would tell you curiosity has killed many a soul. And so the Lord said, I'm going to just tell you from the very beginning, you don't have to get close to the world. You don't have to see what the world is doing. You don't have to, to, to try to experience the world in order for you not to, to, to be involved. I had a person tell me one day, and, and it, it blew my ever-loving mind. He was talking about sin, and he said, yeah, I had to do that so I could tell somebody else it was wrong. No! The Bible says flee fornication. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. What it means is you don't play around with it. You don't get in touch with it. You don't get curiosity about it. It's not to be trifled with. The British essayist Samuel Johnson called curiosity one of the permanent and certain characteristics of a vigorous intellect. And we can see it in our children and our grandchildren. And I'm, Curiosity is a good thing in a sense. We've got this little one-year-old that's walking around everywhere and you can see him as he begins to see the world and the world unfolds and the curiosity of Zeke is such that he's enthralled with everything he can find but I'm telling you there's some things you just don't mess around. It's around Romans chapter 16, I believe maybe verse 19. Perhaps I'm quoting it a bit out of, uh, uh, you know, maybe it won't be the same as the King James but it says that that. God wants his people to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. You don't have to be inquisitive about the things of sin. You don't have to experience sin to know how deadly it is. One of the greatest testimonies of all is not he brought me out of sin. One of the greatest testimonies that you could ever had is that I never got involved with that in the first place. I'm thankful for every pit he brought us out of. But I'm more thankful for people who are living for God and saying I'm not going to even get in that pit to begin with. The first thing to guard your soul is you don't have to be close to the world at all. You don't have to. You, the, 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 the Amish have a, a, a thing where you know, they, can, they can go and, and kind of immerse themselves in it and see if it changes. Uh, we don't do that. That's not, the Bible says stay away from it. In fact, you could see that generations later, Israel had not paid attention to this. And because of that, Israel got to the place where they would begin to sacrifice their own children to those false gods. Because they got too close, too curious, and they did not guard their heart. But then, it goes into three other ones. And, 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 and I want you to listen very carefully. Look at verse or, or chapter 13 and verse 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams rises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder he tells you comes to pass, and if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them, 
you shall not listen to the words of the prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you will serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he's taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery and to make you leave the way which the Lord your God commanded you to walk and so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Now I'm going to tell you right now that, that while the, the principles that I'm teaching are timeless, we're not going to kill prophets. We're not, we're not going to kill the ones we're talking about. That's an Old Testament thing. It was under the law. The law said if you sin, you die. We're thankful that we're under grace. We're under mercy. But that doesn't deny the principles right here. And one of the principles is this. These temptations from false prophets, teachers, and preachers. God had raised up prophets during the times of Israel that would call Israel back to a faithful walk and and, and it was those but the, the problem is there's always going to be those that like to prophesy and sometimes it even comes right sometimes they preach a good message sometimes it tickles our ears but if at the end of the day that preacher is leading you outside of the words that God has spoken then you the, the, the Old Testament said we kill them ah, I'm not suggesting we do that now but you better run with everything you've got because the word of God is full of, 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 of telling us flee from false prophets flee from false teachers there will come a day when we will heap to ourselves teachers having itching ears that will tell you what you want to hear the word of God is true. I don't care how many miracles. I don't care how big the church is. I don't care how good they sound. I don't care how much you get connected. If it's not preaching the truth, then you've got to run as fast as you can. Maybe today there's not a lot of idolatrous worship perhaps. Uh, there, there's not too many churches that got some golden image inside and you go and bow before them. So I understand we're not looking in that type of idolatry. But I'm telling you today there is so much going on in this world where we are getting away from the word of God. And, and we're, we're saying, well, you know, the Bible really didn't mean that you have to be baptized in Jesus' name. You can get baptized in any name you want to get in. in, in, in. And I've, I've met people, I've talked to pastors that have told me, they said, you know what, we've kind of just said whatever they want. If they want to be baptized in Jesus' name, I'll baptize them in Jesus' name. If they want to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, I'll baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. If they don't even want a name, we'll just go get them wet. I've had them tell me that. But my Bible says there is only one name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. This experience that the Lord says you must be born of the water and born of the spirit you got to have it and there's nothing I, I don't want to get pulled away because somewhere else I might have a, a little easier time walking my toes might not get stepped on I want the word of God to speak I can't allow it to be you've got to purge it from your midst in fact I could tell you that if you go to the, the New Testament, it, it gets a little stronger. It says if you've got somebody in your midst, you kick them out. If somebody's in the church preaching false doctrine, they don't need to be there. If someone's in the church and they're going to try to tell you, you don't have to be saved the way that Peter said you've got to be saved. You've got to be careful because hang around that, it will cause you to lose your soul. Much like a surgeon has to remove the cancerous tissue from a patient's body in order to keep it spreading. We've got to be careful we don't allow the cancer of false doctrine to spread in our lives. 
And so it is that if you want to guard your soul, you've got to be careful who you listen to. I know you can say, well, pastor, aren't you a preacher? Absolutely. And that's why I tell you so many times, if I don't preach this, you run as fast as you can away from me. I want you to have your Bible. I want you to go home and I want you to read over what I preach about. I want you to make sure that I'm not deviating from the Word of God because the moment that I deviate from the Word of God is the moment that I become a false prophet, a false preacher, and you don't need to have anything to do with me because the most important thing in your life is your soul. If there arises that prophet gives you a sign and wonder, let it be. There's so much spiritual baloney out there they'll tell you you can have health and wealth and prosperity just do this and that and it's amazing how much it, it, it ties to the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life 1 Thessalonians says it's the believer's responsibility to test all things it's the believer's responsibility to abstain from every form of evil and the biggest way you do that is don't just take my word for it don't just take somebody else's word for it if I give you a Bible verse I want you to go read that Bible verse and I want you to read what's in front of it and I want you to read what's behind it and I want you to read what's on this page and that page and make sure I'm not taking something out of context I don't want to be uh, 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 one that gives you a, a little candy stick Bible verse and says do this and later on you're reading it and says, well, that don't make any sense. Don't be embarrassed if somebody talks to you and, and they, they give you a Bible verse and they only give you one. Don't be embarrassed to say, you know what, let me go home and study that a little bit. Let me look at the context of what you just said. Let me look at it all. I will tell you right now, God will honor you more for being a humble student of the word than just falling lock, stock, and barrel into somebody that's preaching or teaching. Be careful. Jesus warns us in Matthew 24, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do wonders in your name? And Jesus said, I don't care if you did all of that. I will look at you and say, depart from me who practice lawlessness. Why? Because they may have the signs and the wonders, but they don't have the word. So it is, 1 Timothy says, depart. Some, some will depart from the faith because they gave heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I'm telling you right now, you better be careful who you follow. And while I'm thankful you're in this church and I'm thankful you're allowing me to be your shepherd, I hope it's because I preach the word of God, not because I've got a good personality. Not because I dress nice and I can preach a good message. If that's why you're following me, you're following the wrong footsteps. Don't follow me. Follow the God I serve. Follow the God that I'm reading about. Follow the God that I'm wanting to preach the truth. So you got to guard yourself for human curiosity. Guard yourself for false prophets. But this is the one that gets a little closer to the verses that Jesus gave in verse 6 of, of Deuteronomy chapter 13. And if your brother, the son of your mother, or your son or your daughter or your wife you embrace or your friend that is your own, that, that, who is as your own soul entices you secretly and saying let us go and serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known. 
and some of the gods of the peoples around you, whether near or far, though from one end of the earth to another, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, neither shall your eye pity him or shall you spare him or conceal him, but you shall kill him. Your hand will be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of the people you'll stone him to death with stones because he sought to draw you away from the Lord your God and brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And all of Israel shall hear and fear and never again do such wickedness as is among you. Again, let me preface this by saying we are New Testament. Grace is there. I'm not ever suggesting you go throw stones at your family members. No matter how much you want to. (laughs) But will you let me take the Old Testament and all of its blood and gore. Would you let me pull that principle out and put it right here in October 2018. That your soul is more valuable than your family. I mean, I guess it's kind of easy if some false prophet rises up, some televangelist that begins to preach some hooey, and, and I guess it's easy to run from them, but what do you do when your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter begins to tell you, I don't understand why you're following all that. It doesn't mean that. I don't know why you're doing that. Surely you don't need to go to a church that preaches holiness. Surely you don't need to go to a church that preaches one God. Don't, don't go to a church that says you got to speak in other tongues. Why would you ever do that? You can love them, but you better guard your soul. You can hang with them and you can can attempt, but you better guard your soul. He said you can even the friends that that, that are as close to you as they've ever been. I I know it's not a very seeker-sensitive message. I understand that. But this is the serious of the issue. My soul is more valuable than anything else. And so it is your responsibility to listen and say, you know, darling, I love you. If my wife ever woke up one day and said, you know what, I don't believe this this truth anymore. I'm not going to say, well, I love you so much, I'm not going to believe it either. I'll say, darling, I love you. I'll stay with you. But I'm going to hold fast to the truth that I've got. And I'm not going to let you pull me away. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to guard my soul. Because when I get to heaven, I, I want to be able to get to heaven. And I know I'll miss those that aren't there. But I, I, I've got to make my calling and my election sure. I cannot be pulled astray by my own curiosity. I cannot be pulled astray by false doctrine and false preachers and false prophets. And I cannot allow my family to pull me astray. I honor those, and we have many in this church. I honor those that have have stood for the truth, even though the pull of family is vital or or, or is very very, uh, uh, present. I honor those that come when their parents say, you don't have to come. I honor those that come when they have to make a, a massive effort just to get to church. But it's because they value their soul more than their family. And then the third one, or the fourth one rather, in verse 12. If you hear in one of your cities which the Lord your God is giving you to dwell there, that certain worthless fellows have gone out among you and have drawn away the inhabitants of their city, and they said, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, you shall inquire and make search and ask diligently. 
And behold, if it's true and certain that such an abomination has been done among you, you shall put to death the inhabitants, or you shall put the inhabitants of that city to the sword, devote it to destruction, all who are in it and its cattle to the edge of the sword, and you'll gather all of its spoil in the midst of the open square and burn the city and all of its spoil with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God, and it shall be a heap forever, never shall be built again. Again, listen to me, I'm going to say it again. That's Old Testament. I'm not suggesting we go burn cities. I'm not suggesting that we go kill their dogs and their cats and their goats and their sheep. But can I please take the principle out of the Old Testament and put it in the New Testament and it goes like this. If everybody else is doing it, don't you follow. If the whole city woke up tomorrow and walked after a false god or a false doctrine, then you need to say, I will not follow a crowd to do evil. The fact that a hundred people approve of it or the fact that a thousand people approve of it does not make it right. If a government suddenly changes the law, and what used to be wrong is now right. But it still goes against the code and the moral uh, 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 conduct of God and His Word. We don't say, well, it's legal now in the United States, so it's okay to do. Absolutely not. Because God's Word and God's law takes precedent over everything else. So it is that God said, I would rather lose an entire town because I will bless you. I'll make that town again. It won't be in the same spot. He said, don't rebuild it. But I, I would rather lose an entire town, but bless those that stayed true to my word. If you want to guard your soul, you better, first off, pay attention to your own self and pay attention and don't get that idle curiosity going. You don't got to go walk around the world and try to touch the world. Parents, let me, let me just stop for a second. Parents, you got teenagers? There's a lot of things they want to get involved in. There's a reason why I, I, I tell my children, I, you know, we're just not going to go there. I, I know all of your friends are going. I understand that party's going to be there. I understand that dance is going to be I understand that. But I just, there's too much at stake for my children to get so close to the world that their curiosity gets up. And then later on, I lose my children because I allowed their curiosity to grab hold of something they should have never grabbed a hold of in the first place I got to guard myself and who I listen to I got to guard myself in my own family that I don't allow my family to pull me away because the greatest thing I have is my soul Proverbs chapter 18 it says that you, you gotta who, who answers a matter before he hears it? It's folly and a shame to him. You gotta be careful. You don't just. I, I've I've learned in my life I don't just make snap judgments and snap decisions. One of the reasons the the Bible in the Old Testament said you know you gotta be the first one to throw the stone is because you gotta be sure that what you were saying was right. If you're gonna accuse your family of preaching false doctrine, if you're gonna go kill a whole town, you better make sure it's right. So it said take your time. To, to, to look you don't just throw someone out because they make a statement but you got to guard it Lord what, what's going on I can have a dialogue with someone and I can we can have a Bible study if you will but the moment I see them not wanting to learn and the moment I see somebody throw it up and say well it just doesn't matter I've got to start guarding my soul 
I don't mind having a discussion. I don't mind saying let's study the word of God together. But i got to be careful for my, my soul. I want our musicians to come. These, if everybody's doing it, you ought to do it. The Bible says enter at the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many that go in by it. The narrow gate, that difficult way is the way that leads to life. And it kind of uses the phrase, few will find it. So the understanding is this. There's a wide gate theology that everybody goes to. But only those that search for it will find it. Mark chapter 10 and verse 28 begins to say this. Peter looked at him and said, But Lord, we've left everything and we've followed you. Lord, we've left family. We've left homes. We've left our, our towns. We, we've followed you. We've given it. It seems like we've given everything to you. We've surrendered everything. There's nothing. And the Lord makes a statement. I say unto you, there is no one left. Or there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel that will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life and many who are first shall be last and the last shall be first. It just simply says this. In your life now And in the life to come, if you guard your soul, you're really not going to lose anything. But, I mean, aren't I losing my youth and all of that fun? I didn't get to go sow my wild oats. Ain't I losing something? No. No. I know our young people, they're downstairs. I'd preach it to them. I'd look at Zane and Grant and... I'd look at, at your children and I, I'd, I'd tell them, I'd say, you're not losing anything by serving God in your youth. You're not losing anything by not going and sowing those oats and being back. So then you're not losing anything. You're not losing anything by taking a stand and saying, I'm going to live for God even if my family doesn't live for God. You can, I mean, you, you can still go and you can still go to all the family functions and the events and you can have fun and you can go to the family reunions but you can be strong in what you believe in and you're not going to lose anything in fact I will tell you in personal experience if you'll stand for the truth even if your family does not you'll still have a chance of winning them later if you'll just be true now I know it's easy to back down a little bit because, you, you know, you just be honest. I've, I, I did a funeral uh, th- uh, Thursday, Friday, Friday, did a funeral Friday. and It's hard to look at someone. I didn't say this to them, but it's hard to look at someone and, and, and say, you know, there's only one way to heaven. And then later on they say, you mean grandma's not going to heaven because she wasn't baptized in Jesus' name? I know those are hard. Those are hard questions. But here's how you answer that question. You ready? God is the judge, but I know what his word says. And as for me, I want to walk the way the word said. I'll let God sort it out in judgment, but my responsibility is to follow the word. i got to be saved. And if you'll stand for God now, 
your family will see that, that, that testimony. And there may be a day later that that family member that, that was trying to drag you away because they saw the stalwart stand for truth. It brings them to the truth because they couldn't escape the testimony of your life and of the Word of God. And even though sometimes it feels like a salmon swimming upstream to stand in the midst of a world that's so sinful and everybody else is doing it and you're the only one blazing that trail, stand because your soul is more valuable than anything else in your life. I want us to stand today. There, there's... There's so much more that I, I, I could say, but I would belabor the point. So I'm bringing you those four things that I, I want you to ingrain them and imprint them in your mind. Guard your soul from curiosity and idle curiosity. Don't play with fire. I believe the Word of God says something like, can man take fire to his bosom and not be burned? Don't mess with it. Don't get close to it. Don't play with it. Don't, don't dabble in it. Flee. Run. There's only one thing that matters, the truth. Guard your soul. Guard your heart from who speaks into your life. If they're speaking in your life, they better be preaching the Word of God completely. They don't have any business speaking. I've met people that have 15 different pastors. Can't do that. You find one and you let him speak the truth of God into your life. Don't let your family pull you astray. Don't let this world pull you astray. If you'll do that, there will be a day when that trumpet sounds and you walk through that narrow gate and the Lord says, welcome, my good and faithful servant. But there'll be others because one of those four things I mentioned drug them away. They didn't guard their soul. And they're knocking on a door that's already been shut. They're knocking on an ark that's already been shut and the rain's already begin to fall. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. You didn't guard your soul. I wonder if you could lift your hands or maybe close your eyes, whatever is, is, is how you feel at the moment. And I want you to ask the Lord, perhaps one of these areas, your weekend, maybe, maybe it's not that everybody's doing it, but it's the false prophet, or maybe it's the family that's pulling you, or maybe it's the idle human curiosity. I don't know, but somewhere you know you struggle. Would you let God begin to speak to you? And would you just begin to say, God, give me strength to stand. Lord, I'm going to put on the whole armor of God that I can withstand the darts of Satan. I will not let anything grab a hold of my soul. In the name of Jesus, I want to be with you. I want to be with you.